When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome into the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. It's presented, as always, by Exterior Home Solutions. For a free estimate, you should give them a call today at 865-524-5888. Whether it's making repairs to your home for the summer storms, you have an upgrade, siding, roofing, windows, whatever that case may be, let the folks, the good folks at Exterior Home Solutions help you out. ExteriorHomeSolutions.com or a free estimate at 865-524-5888. With Rob Lewis, Awesome Price, Brent Hubs, I am Eric Kane. we got a full bank of questions, and so we will dive right down into it. The big news of Wednesday, Brent Hubs, Sam Smith, 2233, wants to know your thoughts on Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Well, I mean, I think this is the world that we live in, in, in college athletics. Um, we've all talked about it. You know, is there enough money from the donor world to, to go around with NIL and everything that's out there? And how important is corporate dollars? And I think corporate dollars are important. Um, I think Tennessee is going to be mindful uh, of the corporate dollar. Um, are they going to be willing to accept corporate dollars? Yes. Are there going to be some things that are sacred and not touched? In my opinion, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to see – Neyland Stadium become anything other than Neyland Stadium. It's not going to be Neyland Stadium at, you know, or anything like that. Uh, would they sell? We, we know that they've been trying to to corporately sponsor the the North End Zone Party Deck. Uh, could clubs, you know, could club suites be for sale from a corporate sponsorship standpoint? Sure. Baseball stadium, absolutely. Uh, that's already known out there. I just think in the, in the arms race of all the money that you're looking for when you're $200 million budgets and you're paying these salaries and all the things that you're doing, this is just, this is part of it. And I think you're seeing this at a lot of places. You've seen it in pro sports. I think the model's trickling down more and more into college sports. That being said, I do think there are certain things that are not, they're not going to be touched. Um, So I don't think fans have to freak out about that or worry about that. Yeah, for me, it, it you know, it, the initial, you know, gnashing of teeth because people don't like change or, you know, just don't like it, whatever. I, I think it's a much about nothing. I mean, like, it's Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center, which means it's still got Thompson Bowling Arena on it. People are still going to call it Tommy Bowl, TBA, whatever you want to call it. Just like I call it Twitter still, not X. Does anybody say, have you X lately? But people say, did you see that tweet? Like, I mean, like, it's just common. Like, you know, it, it's ingrained in you. Same thing with the calling at Thompson Bowling Arena. And if you can get the rub off of $20 million from Food City and they get signage and when the ESPN does the aerial shot of Thompson Bowling Arena and they say, oh, tonight here at you know, Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center, it's Florida and Tennessee. Like, that's a win-win for Danny White and win-win for everybody. We'll go to BC Lion 06. Which edge rusher do you think will have the bigger impact this season, Joshua Josephs or James Pierce? Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys. I think it's six and one and, you know, half a dozen of the other. I mean, it's, take your pick. I think 
Brent, that they both have flashed in fall camp, and I just don't think we know yet. I think right now, like, the guy that's been the most consistent player in fall camp has been Roman Harrison. And mm-hmm. so, you know, again, what translates um, once the games get kicked off? Because nobody at August 23rd of 2022 had Jalen Hyatt doing what Jalen Hyatt did, right? So, I mean, like, you just don't know until, you know, some games are played and you get out there and get into the flow of the season. Yeah, I mean, from a from a physicality standpoint, from a look standpoint, I think James Pierce's body probably looks like a more complete player. But Joshua Joseph's got long arms, a guy who played a lot last year. I think it's very much going to be a hot hand. Whoever's playing well is going to get more and more snaps. And Rodney Garner's been asking for one of those two guys to emerge or both of them to emerge for six months now, and I think he's still asking that question. That's not to say they've been bad. It's just to remind everybody they're second-year players and they're still figuring it out. So we'll see uh, how much they've figured it out in the Virginia game and Austin P before they get ready to go to Gainesville, Florida. I, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, what you hope is both of them have four or five sacks, six sacks a year this year. I mean, you know, yeah. as opposed to which one becomes the nine-sack guy or whatever. I mean, you hope well, both of them are really, really, really effective. And meaningful sacks. Like mm-hmm. Pierce had several sacks last year that were in garbage time. None of them That's really right. mattered. You need him to have sacks in meaningful time. Maybe much like you know Josh Joseph said that big sack of uh, down at LSU last yep. year. You know, yep. you, that's that's the sacks you need. Yep, you're a good point. Good point. While we're on that subject, uh, Caleb Herring, how's he done in fall camp as a true freshman AP? He's done great. You know, again, I think he's somebody who will play this year. Now, is he in that James Pierce, Josh Joseph's role that? you know, maybe flashes and gets a sack in a big game or, you know, cleans up and mop up duty against some, you know, lesser teams. I mean, possibly, but, uh, you know, he's definitely had his mind in the right place and been really focused. And, and I may be wrong on this, but but to me, Rob, he feels more like what Josh Joseph was in year one in terms of how yeah. much he's going to play. He, he's, you know, Pierce was a true mop up duty guy. And I think that's because Pierce struggled transitioning from high school to college. I don't think that's been the case with Caleb Herring. Yeah, and I mean, Joseph's had a package in like early in the season. I mean, he had a package. Mean, I'm with you, I envisioned Caleb here and being that way. And, you know, we've, we've all not been around him much. And I, AP, I know you've been around him in the recruiting process. Man, he just, he seems like a really mature young man that knows, knows what he wants and is working to get it. Yeah, especially now that he's back around his brother. Uh, I think that's 100% the case. Rob Lewis said moments ago, six and one and half a dozen of the other reminded me of what my mother always says, but I think that can apply to the next question. I'm going to ask you, Rob Knox underscore Vol. If you had a college fantasy draft, which receiver would you pick on your team from Tennessee? Man. I mean, if you go with, I mean, if you go with proven, you know, commodity, you take broom. And if you, if you want potential, you take Thornton. I mean, I, th- I think I'm, I'm, excited to see Dante Thornton this year. I really am. I don't know what his ceiling is, but man, athletically, he, he looks like a dude for sure. But I don't know if you, if you go the safe pick, you take brew. If you want to you know roll the dice, you take Thornton. And if it's a PPR league, you take Ramel Keaton. <laughs> oh, look at that AP. Yeah. That, that would be, that was my follow-up question. Not that I'm a big fantasy guy, but what are the rules in this fantasy deal? Cause the slot receiver at Tennessee is going to be the most productive guy in terms of big plays uh, touchdowns, that's probably going to be the most productive guy that way. Um, if you're talking about, you know, guy who's going to catch the, the most balls, then probably Ramel Keaton or, or Brew McCoy. But you're talking about a guy who's going to catch, you know, big touchdowns and big chunk plays, it's going to be the guy in the, in the slot, I would think, based on what we've seen out of Josh Heupel's offense in, in two years in Knoxville. 
ATLVFL AP wants to know, Brent, I've actually heard you chime in on this a lot over the last year, but what changes of the recruiting or player commitment rules would you like to see? I don't think there's anything you can do to the commitment rules. I mean, what, what rules are there? You can commit as many times as you want. Um, I, mean, I think maybe he's talking about signing or moving signing day. I took it more or less about the calendar. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there needs to be two signing periods that are so close together, you know, because um, I just think it's a waste. I, you know, Hubs has advocated for this for a few years now, of bumping the one up. Problem is, is you know, with the the way it's all structured now, I mean, I don't think it really matters because if kids really want to get out of it, they can. And, you know, so to me, it's kind of is what it is. I, I don't, you know, I mean, you can make a few tweaks here and there. I'm not sure it's going to change anything dramatically. Well, if you're, if you're going to keep the early date and you're going to allow springtime official visits and all of the open visits that are taking place during the spring and the summertime, then why not sign? Why not have the first signing date September one and the second one in December when it's na- when it is now, and let's let's close down, let's close down some some more windows in, in the winter time for for coaches not to live on the road the entire time that way. Perhaps I don't know, you know. But what's Tennessee's board look like right now, Austin for for the class of twenty four? What they got five six guys? Yeah, I mean it's, I mean it's Chris Cole, it's Danny Acuia, it's Cam Michael, it's Jordan Seaton. Um, you know, it's Nasir Smith. Um, they're still trying on Amiris Williams, Cam Fountain, and then, um, you know, Daniel Hill is still – I mean, Daniel Hill still actually reaches out to Tennessee, even though, like, most people have him pegged for Bama or South Carolina. That's the only interesting thing that is to me. Like, he decided not to announce, and I think he's more like a Bennett Warren type deal. I think there's a there's a divide in the household on – where who wants to go where and uh yeah, so, i think that's why there was a delay and let's see maybe tennessee ends up getting a visit and maybe they are the uh you know meet in the middle place well and so my point is that you got a very small number rob lewis of guys that you're dealing with now and those guys are clearly committed to waiting to december okay i mean coaches like the fact they don't have to babysit anybody in january anymore right mm-hmm. oh so, would you like to get Jordan Ross's signature September one, and not have to worry about that one through? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, I mean I, I've said this the whole time. I mean, ever since they put it in December, I think it should be like the week of Labor Day or whatever. I just, I'm, like AP said, I mean, they're so close together. We're talking about six, eight weeks. I mean, not not eight weeks. We're like six weeks. There's a huge dead period in between them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just eight I, weeks and six of it's dead or five of it's dead or something crazy. Like I just. I mean, if you want, if you if you want it to be meaningful, have, let the kids sign in September. People say, "Oh, that's so early, that's so early." I mean, at least uh, the vast majority of these kids anymore, at least at this level, are early enrollees. It's not that early. It's two or three months before they're coming to campus. And basketball has had an early signing period in November for decades, and it's it's no problem. It's just fine. I mean, so I don't. For me, I've always thought that. Once they did the two signing periods, it, it was meaningless to put the one in December. It should be sometime in the fall. You can decide what date that is, but you know, kids don't have to worry about you know playing a high school football game, getting in the car at you know, six a.m. the next morning, getting getting on the road to take a visit. Like you know, coaches don't have to you know sweat getting out on the road on Friday night to babysit a commitment just so mom and dad see him in the stands wearing the you know wearing the the polo. I just I'm, I'm a strong advocate for like a September signing period. And so many of these guys commit in, in July and early yeah. August now. Yeah, coming off official visits in June, and they're 
seven unofficial visits, you, you know, from the last hey, season before that. You don't think that Josh Heifel would love to go ahead and be like, Jordan Ross, let's go ahead and get you in September one, big dog. There you go. And like, and like, um, Oh shit! Like AP said, I mean, it, it takes the heat off the coaches. They don't want to babysit these guys, and I, I, to me, that would be a win-win. And, and, and also, I sound like a broken record. Like AP said, it's not like these kids can't get out of a letter in this day and age. I mean, but then again, you may still have. I mean, there's coaches now that in the early signing period still go and watch them play basketball, which makes no sense. So, oh, who yeah. knows what these coaches will still yeah. do? I mean. Let's go to Nader Tater, 1996. <laughs> Who starts at quarterback for the 2023 Volunteers, 2021 version of Milton, or current version of Nico Imaliava? I don't understand what that even – what is that? I don't even understand. Is so, Nico right now better than Joe was two years ago? Joe would still start, right, Brent? Here, here's the interesting thing. Physically, Joe Joe is be, would be better two years ago than Nico is right now. Here's the thing people forget about Joe. Joe didn't start learning this offense until the summer about three months before he started his first game. Right. I mean, he, he got here May AP. So maybe four months, something like that. Yeah. Nico's been here since December. He's got eight months of work and learning the offense. In some ways, Nico's probably further along with chemistry receivers and not knowledge of the offense, even though he's a high school or a college freshman versus Joe, who came in and was in short order. Now, physically, Joe was more ready to play than Nico is, you know, two years ago than Nico is right now. But I, I don't, I don't know that that's a laydown for Joe simply because Nico's got so much more time learning the offense than Joe had that first year in twenty one, right? Yeah, I, I mean that makes a whole lot of sense because again, Nico's been here. He went through spring practice. He's been throwing with those receivers for much longer instead of just getting here in the summer, going through workouts, fall camp, and then essentially being handing the keys. So from a mental aspect of the offense, for sure. But then again, Joe Milton's play power five football. He's bigger. He's more physically, you know, ready to play. But in terms of the overall offense, yeah, I mean, Nico might be further along than than Joe was at this point in time two years ago. Uh, he goes on to ask. Um, I know Coach uh, Willie Martinez might have a long leash with guys like Jalen McCullough, but how long do y'all think Milton's leash truly is if he were to struggle? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's – Here we go. Really, we're a week, I think it's, we're a week out. Let's get the Nico mania going, right? You knew. Hey, the first interception Joe throws – now, he hadn't thrown one yet in a Tennessee uniform, but the, he will. The first one he throws, there will be Nico chance. I mean, of course. That, that's that's. I, mean, I don't think there is a leash. I mean, you guys – I don't think there is one. I, mean, I think personally. it's an injury. I mean, I think the injury is. This is, is Joe's team. Like yeah. Tennessee would have to be struggling mightily for, for weeks upon weeks. I mean, upon I think weeks. Have, it'd have to be Nathan Peterman in the swamp for like two or three weeks in a row. Level. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think it's even. I mean, I. I mean, I know you can't I help it. Remember, I, those same fans that are clamoring for Nico right now, and I'm not. Well, I'm not able to say it. Never mind. I'm. I'm, I'm just. Gonna, hey, Eric, you should time, really Eric, you should timestamp that the first. When when that first popped up, that that, that conversation topic. <laughs> Newman one says, "Is there interest from Daniel Hill? Is it genuine or is it more nil based off leverage against Alabama and South Carolina?" Um, well, I don't think that Alabama. I mean, Alabama plays in the nil nil world, but I don't think they're uh, getting sucked into a you know a back and forth. You know, just because Tennessee's you know, entered the picture a little bit. I don't think it's NIL related. I think that the kid just 
likes Jerry Mack and enjoys talking to him. And Jerry's continued to work the relationship. Again, I would still take South Carolina or Alabama, more likely Alabama. And, um, and we'll see if he gets here for a visit. You know, if he does, it'll probably be for that South Carolina game, which is uh, uh, the same week that Okoye's visiting. And could be the same weekend that Cam Michael visits if he bumps up his visit from the Georgia weekend in November. So, um, you know, we'll see if he makes it here. If he makes it here, they got a puncher shot and, you know, nothing more at this point. Let's stay with AP. Swagger12 says, no Austin loves percentages, so I have one for him here. Percentage chance these recruits actually official visit with Tennessee. Okoye, Cole, Seton, Cam Michael, Wingo, Smith, and Fountain. Um, let's go over them one at a time. Koye, 100%. Cole? 100%. Seton? Uh, 95%. Michael? 100%. Wingo? Um, 20%. Smith? Uh, 100%. Fountain? Uh, I'll go 65%. So, great, great high percentages there for the majority of those that, that were mentioned. Uh, let's go... This is from Lee Creek. How are the Vols going to manage all these running backs in the rotation this year, Brent Hubbs? I mean, I, I think they're going to play the hot hand. I think they'll play Jalen Wright, um, Jabari Small. Um, Dylan Sampson will get some. But, I mean, as Jerry Mack has said all along, the best thing he's got going in his room is competition. You better not take a day off. And I think Cam Selden's going to his, – his presence on this team – uh, is going to be a mop-up duty on offense, which is going to get everybody excited, and it's going to be in, in special teams, probably as a kick returner, uh, I think is, is a real possibility early on for him. Where is it at, you know, halfway through the year? We'll see. I mean, Jabari Smalls had some injury concerns, as we know, um, and, and we'll see. I, I don't I don't think Jerry Mack's sitting around going, okay, how do I get this one 8, this one 12, this one 11 to keep everybody happy? I don't. I don't think that's the way the running back room is going to roll. So um, I, I think Jalen Wright separated himself this fall camp and is right now the best back on Tennessee's roster in this offense. Rocky Top T said, if you had to pick only one, who was the best running back you've seen play at Tennessee? Rob Lewis. I go Jamal Lewis. And I and I saw Chuck Webb play and, and Reggie Cobb, but I, I go Jamal Lewis. Anybody else? Uh, I mean, Jamal, Jamal was just stupid talented, um, ready to play out of the gate. Chuck Webb, I mean, would have played forever in the NFL if he if had not had the knee injury. I mean, to me, you're, you're splitting hairs a little bit there. Jamal's probably bigger, but I mean, Chuck Webb could run. Um, and then the outside guy on this, who's a total different style of back, who was a really good player, who would have thrived in this offense and actually went on and had a really nice NFL career was Charlie Garner. To me, those are the top three backs at, at Tennessee. That's my top three backs. Uh, David Yancey and Kirsten Biggers, um, they just were held down by coaching staffs who would not play them outside of the spring. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, serious note, Jamal's feet for a guy that big, mm -hmm. I mean, was just remarkable. And, I, and, and I'm not selling Chuck Webb short. I, don't, I didn't mean it to sound that way. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, loved him. I just, I, I just really think Jamal was special. What's interesting about Jamal and, and Chuck both is they, they really had short careers when you think about it. I mean, Jamal played halfway through his freshman year because he didn't know pass protection, so he played half of that year. He got hurt week four of the 98 season at Auburn, missed the rest of that year, 
and it was very limited in 99 with an ankle. I mean, he didn't leave here with a ton of carries. Now, he left here with a couple of hellacious days when you're talking about playing Ole Miss and you're talking about what he did against Georgia. Georgia. Uh, but but he really had a small career, much like Chuck. You know, Chuck got hurt and was never the same after that, uh, which is really, really different because those guys were not, you know, three-year – you're the you're the guy focal point type deals and then you know charlie comes in you talk about the previous question how do you split time the greatest miracle of all is that somehow tennessee figured out a way to keep charlie garner little man stewart and aaron hayden all happy in the same year i mean think about the freshman year that little man and aaron had and you walk in in january and and philip goes hey by the way i'm bringing in the number one junior college running back in the country to take your job after y'all both own, earn freshman all-conference or freshman all-American honors, um, you know, in the day and age of a one-time transfer portal, that might have been hard to sell, um, you know, the way it is now. But those guys stuck it out, and all three of them had, had terrific careers. Are you talking about Ken Sparks living at the edge of his seat with little <laughs> man Stewart <laughs> looking around? All right, we got plenty more uh, questions to get into here on this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. But real quick, want to give a quick shout-out to a proud sponsor of the show. That is Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but the fit is way better. Uh, what happens is those regular shorts are made of stiff, restricting cotton, but Bird Dogs fix that issue by inventing a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get that way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Also, Bird Dogs uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Uh, versatility is the name of the game. you got a pair of slacks, a couple pair of shorts, whether you're going on a date with the wife, to church, a business meeting, whatever the case is, Bird Dogs has got the right fit for you so you look good and you feel good all day long. Now, I encourage you to go to birddogs.com slash VQ or enter that promo code VQ for a free Bird Dog Tech hats with your order. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you see this hat looking pretty stylish. You get that free if you put in that promo code VQ at birddogs.com slash VQ. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. And as always, a big shout out to our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Nominate a family that you think is deserving of the Exterior Home Makeover. A gift from your friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Ball for Life wants to know in regards to peer recruiting, what players in this class have taken on that role, Austin? Well, I think it's, it's book order. Um, you know, Book Carter works it extremely hard. And, uh, you know, and so does Jake Merklinger. Um, so, but I mean, for me, it, it's, it's Boo. Boo carries so much weight with these kids and he works it on Instagram. He works it on Twitter. He works it, you know, DMs, phone texts, I mean, you name it, he does it. So, you know, you know, it's big, Mr. Big Personality, Boo Carter. Doolittle Vol wants to know, will Tennessee still be willing to schedule a Power 5 non-conference game if and when the SEC goes to nine games and removes that stipulation that you got to play one Power 5? I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't either. Who's to say they're going to nine and they're going to and they're going to do that? And who's to say if they go to nine that they won't keep the same stipulation? Yeah. I mean, because it, it may that that may be how they get the most I mean, listen, they're going to do whatever gets them the most money. Yeah. And if ESPN says we need nine plus one. They're going to keep the plus one. If they say you can stay at eight, but we need the plus one, you're, I think at eight you're getting definitely a plus one. But at nine, I think that you know they're, to get the most money, you're going to have to have a plus one. That would benefit the South Carolinas, the Floridas, the Georgias, the 
Kentuckys who all have that end of the season, you know, rivalry game of, you know, from a, from a power five opponent, not in the SEC. I mean, I don't know if it benefits them because I mean, in some instances, Florida has to play Florida state and up Florida state is a, is a, you know, a rough way to end the season, just same way with South Carolina and Clemson. Um, I think it gives Tennessee the ability to go and kind of pick, you know, potential uh, power five opponents, which to me is always easier than, okay, you know, you're playing this team who traditionally is really, really good. Carl Levy too says, when do you expect the return uh, of some of these guys from injuries and some of these guys he's asking about, they've already returned and been back at practice, but we'll know about Cooper Mays. Dylan Sampson, Elijah Simmons, Kamal Haddon, Wesley Walker, and Tamarian McDonald. Those DBs have been back in the fold for a little bit. What about Mays, Sampson, Simmons? Um, I think Sampson's back. Um, yeah. uh, Simmons, I think it's October at the earliest. And uh, Cooper Mays, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think he starts the opener. I don't think he plays in the opener. I think the first game potentially he could play would be Austin P. but I think more than likely – Florida would be the targeted date um, for his return, you know, providing he heals um, and gets back, you know, on time. That'd be a tough first game back. Road game, loud, tr- trying to get continuity of the guys around you, but you take him back as soon as you can, obviously. Well, yeah. Uh, Pine wants to know, if you had to pick a trap game, which one would it be? Which game do you like uh, the most that falls on the schedule? All right, trap game, uh, Rob Lewis. Is there a trap game for I, Tennessee on I mean, the schedule? Is Texas a I mean, is that are they? I mean, they're ranked in the preseason. I know. Is that qual? Can can you call them a, a trap game? Man, it's coming uh, off a bye, a bye. So I, I would I wouldn't really consider it that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, that's. I mean, if I'm just talking about team talent wise, I mean, I don't. It's in front of Alabama, so I, I recognize you might be focusing on Alabama, but I, I'm just kind of focusing on how they were. They were so they were so bad all over the map last year, and I would expect them to be better. Ah, uh, I don't know. I if this doesn't really qualify as a trap, but I have said I think these guys are going to be better than some people think. And Tennessee goes to Missouri before they play Georgia. I don't think Tennessee's going to lose that game. They scored a thousand points on on them the last two years. But if you, that, I would throw that one. I, I, if I would toss Missouri out there, although with not a lot of conviction. I, I think Missouri and or Kentucky, just because defensive lines for both teams are, are pretty good, and you know what does Tennessee's offensive line look like? I mean, I, I think that they can mask mask it a lot early on, but over the course of the season, how dinged up do they get, Brent? You know, I mean, that to me, that's going to be a, a telltale sign on how Tennessee's able to block it up up front. Yeah, and you're getting Kentucky at Kentucky the week after you play Alabama, which should be a physical game by, by you know by nature there. So I, I know a lot of Kentucky fans feel like that that fall that game falls really well on the schedule for them. Of course, they they think they're going to win the East, um, you know, with 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 Leary at quarterback. So they're going to be confident. Now it's Kentucky. They found ways to lose this game. Josh Heupel scored a million points in the first quarter against them. Somebody's been wide open like the first four drives of, of the last two meetings that they played. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, that that one that one is not a trap game like overlooking them, but that's a tough game because of just coming off the Alabama game going to Kentucky. It is, you know, I don't think UTSA is, is you know, Texas San Antonio is, is good enough to come in here and win. I think they're a better team than a lot of fans believe that they are. You know, that's between a trip to Gainesville and South Carolina coming to town. I think Tennessee beats UTSA. That might be a little closer than everybody thinks initially, but I don't see them losing that game. So I would go Kentucky, just not necessarily trap like overlooking 
kind of the conventional trap thought process, but just by the way that that game falls on the calendar coming after Alabama heading to Lexington. Don't you think it helps that everybody is kind of like that, that's one of the trendy upset picks, mm-hmm. you know, before the season starts, like no, people are talking about it. So it makes it a little easier for Heupel and, and the staff to go, look, guys, everybody's predicting you to drop this one. And then they focus in. Yeah. On the flip side of that, is there a game on the schedule that you think falls really well for Tennessee? Georgia late? I, I think Texas A&M because it's coming off a bye. A&M, yeah. I think, is going to be improved. Um, they've got a boatload of talent, but you get them at home and you get them off a bye. So I, I would, you know, for the same reasons that, you know, you don't maybe like Kentucky because you're playing them after Bama, you're getting A&M off a bye, I would like that game. That's my pick. Yeah, I agree there too. I think that makes the most sense. Let me chaser says, did Danny White offer or say, okay, the Danny White offer or was interested in Tony Elliott as a, Tony Elliott as a head coach, a lot of beef going on with that situation. So what is true and what is not? Uh, Danny White interviewed Tony Elliott. They had a conversation. I think that's well known. Uh, it happened in Atlanta on a day where they interviewed multiple candidates for the job. Um, obviously Danny White's very clear in that he did not offer Tony Elliott the job. Um, Tony Elliott, Dabo Sweeney, you know, put it out there for recruiting purposes that he did, you know, he turned down Tennessee to stay to be the OC at Clemson. Um, so that was kind of their narrative there, but it's very clear where Danny White stands on this one, that he didn't offer him the job. Uh, I've not talked to Tony Elliott. I'm surprised Tony Elliott's still talking about it two years after the fact. Um, I don't think it helps Tony Elliott um, to be talking about it. He's got his own things he needs to be dealing with at Clem- uh, at Virginia. The last thing he needs to do is to talk about what job that he could have had, you know, and didn't take or supposedly could have had and didn't take and all that. I'll tell you this, uh, Danny White, that was not just a random, well, that kind of hacks me off tweet that he put out. That was a, I'm hacked off and telling the world that this is not true tweet. So you know exactly where Danny White stands on this. Now, Tony Elliott said on and off for a couple of years that he was offered the Tennessee job, but Danny White certainly doesn't feel that way at all. I wasn't in the room though. Atherin's got a couple questions here. Thoughts on where Tennessee stands with Chris Cole? Does having the OV a day before his commitment date kind of put the writing on the wall? No, I don't think it puts the writing on the wall. I mean, does he mean that, that he's coming here? No, I don't think yes. so. I think Tennessee was, uh, you know, wanted to get him back to campus. He was amenable to coming back to campus before he announces. And, um, you know, there was some talk that he may push it back, but I don't believe that's going to be the case now. And, you know, again, Tennessee, you know, with a strong weekend could, you know, ride the wave or, or whatever, um, you know, you know, in that, that, you know, conclusion with Chris Cole right now, uh, to me, it's them, Georgia. And I just don't believe that. I think everybody else is, you know, window dressing. He's going to take that visit to USC. I mean, I guess he gets out there and he's riding around with some rapper in LA and, and, you know, you know, and kind of get swept up in the weekend. I think anything's possible, but right now it definitely feels like it's Georgia and Tennessee at the top um, for Chris Cole. Anything new with Ron Wingo or Cam Michael? Um, no, I feel like Ron Wingo's, you know, seems like it's trending the other direction. Um, and then uh, Cam Michael, again, I think it all boils down to, does he stay strong on wanting to play offense? Cause Georgia is not recruiting him as such. So, if he stays strong, if he stays strong on that notion, does Georgia come off of that and tell him what he wants to hear? Even though likely they're going to move him to 
the defensive backfield once he gets there, um, you know, and does, you know, if they do that, does he buy into it or not? You know, you know right now he likes Josh Heupel's offense, and I think that's a big reason why there's real interest there. And then this one's for anybody. Given the depth in the secondary, how long of a leash do you think uh, a guy like Jalen McCullough would have at the safety position? I mean, I I personally have to think that the competition is pretty intense back there. I mean, just with all the bodies, all the guys that have experience. I mean, I don't know if that means, you know, you, you blow an assignment, you come out. But I, I would think that they have enough dudes that, you know, if you're not grading out at, at whatever after two or three games, I, I would think that they – or in a position to make a change. Well, a couple things there. One, Tim Banks is the is the is the safeties guy. I mean, Willie Martinez coaches corners. Banks is involved with. I mean, they collaborate, but but Banks is heavily involved with the safeties. Here's my question: Who are the two backup safeties? Turrentine and Christian Charles. Is that? Am I right, or am I missing somebody? No, I, I think that's Jordan probably Thomas. Right. Jordan Thomas is at nickel, right? He's bounced around a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean. I I think you're going to see a lot of McCullough. I think you'll see them rotate some guys, but I I don't know that Christian Charles has done enough this fall camp to – I don't know how great of a fall camp he's had. I think Turntine's been better getting a lot of work in Wesley Walker's place, so maybe him. But I, I don't know – I don't know how stiff the competition really is behind those guys in the two deep right now. Did Jordan Thomas's injury in spring slow him down at the beginning of camp and kind of put him behind the eight ball? Yes, and, and and again, I think I moving, so. I think moving him around AP in the spring probably didn't didn't help him get comfortable as well. Trying to trying to teach him star and safety and and bouncing him around a little bit before he got hurt probably didn't help him in spring in terms of getting settled at one position. Agreed. Jimmy Collins wants to know what is the difference talent wise from being the number one class in the country to the number ten class. Where does it drop off? Just more five star type guys, you know. Um, I mean, you look at Georgia. Technically, Ohio State's got more five stars than just about anybody, or more than anybody, and they're number one, number two. You know, I, I think it just boils down to you know having higher ranked guys across the board. Yeah, and and in terms of you know what it means long term, it depends on a guy's development. We've seen five star guys, Rob Lewis, who could play, who were ready to go. We've seen guys who just it didn't pan out. That's always going to be the case. So. You're, you, there's going to be some years where the seventh ranked class, if you reevaluated it three years later, probably should have been ranked second or third, right? And there's going to be other years where the second ranked class was the second ranked class. So, it, I mean, I think each year is, is different in that regard. I don't know if it's just Tennessee because we don't we don't follow everybody as closely. I bet Tennessee. If you go back, ever we've been doing. I've, I've been doing it 20 years. You've been doing it longer. Tennessee has had horrible luck with five stars. I mean, think about it. And you got your Eric Berry's pretty short list. And you Bryce Brown, Chris Donald, Ben Martin. I mean, it, it's – again, I, I would be interested to, to look at some other programs and see if there's Dontavious anything like Blair. <laughs> Dontavious Blair. Golly. O.J. Owens was a five-star safety. I mean, there, there, I mean, there Brandon has – Jeffries in the Wayback Machine. I mean, there's been there's been a bunch of those guys for sure. I, I don't know how it compares to everybody else. Yeah, I don't either. I have no idea, really. You know, I, I mean, I think if you're in the top ten, you're you're. I mean, that's where you want to be year in and year out. Is it great to say you have the number one class? Yes, because by the rankings, you have the best class in the country. It's also about need and fit, and does a guy stay healthy? How focused is he? You know, all kinds of things factor into that. 
beyond just the number. I mean, and I'm not knocking rankings. I'm just saying the number is the number. That doesn't always equate when you get year two into the program or year three in the program. Last one here is good to end on from Zeusify for all you guys. Uh, what is the best football game you have seen in person? Doesn't even have to be a UT game. Uh, the 0-1 game in the swamp is is from an intensity standpoint, um, drama, all of those things. That that's as good as one as I've seen with everything that was on the line that that night. That was um, that was a that was a pretty dang good football game there. So that that one would be right at the top of my list. Last year, Alabama be on the short list. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yep, for sure. That would be there. Um, Florida, I think that Alabama Miami. game, too. I, I know it's most recent and everything, the storylines and all that. Wasn't a whole lot of defense, but it, it still had a little bit of some things. I mean, there was a defensive touchdown in that game, some missed field goals. Um, you know, Alabama was down by two scores two times in, in the first half. Um, Tennessee was behind by a point late in the third quarter. I mean, had a little bit of everything. So, yeah. I, I think, obviously, Tennessee won – Snapped a 15-game losing skid, but that, that was a really, really good game. Hubbard, Hubbard what year did that Tennessee Alabama play 15 overtimes in, in Tennessee three. On, on the road? Yeah. Was that 03? Was that that? Yeah. That was a that was a good one. Last yeah. time they won down there. Yeah, that was a cra- that was a crazy game, um, for sure. 95 Alabama. Um, that was just a massacre. I mean, Tennessee just carved them up. Um, so that was a different type of game. It wasn't the back and forth type deal that, that you saw in some of those other games, but, um, I've seen a lot of good ones. I, I, I've been, I've been blessed to see a lot of them. I mean, I didn't mention a Georgia game. The Georgia Hail Mary game, uh, was pretty, in, pretty insanity. Um, you know, there's just a lot. There's, there's been a lot. I'm, I'm sure I've left. I mean, the Oh four Georgia win, went at Georgia with two, with freshman quarterback, Eric Gange was, was, was just a, just a crazy crazy win down there for Tennessee to win. And then that was it. Oh six also when Tennessee was oh six. They were getting killed in the first half. Yeah, block the Antonio Wardlow, half. baby. Antonio Wardlow covers for Antonio Wardlow trade. did that. He best up best like throw of Eric Yeah, best throw of Eric Ainge's career was a uh, a corner out to um, Robert Meacham coming off the goal line on third down. Best throw he ever made in his career, in my what? opinion. What Tennessee Kentucky game went in like four or five overtimes? I mean, I I was a little armed. That was the that. Quentin Hancock game in 07. Quentin Hancock. That's right. I wasn't that young. Um, yeah. And that was, was the it? that was Dan Williams blocking the uh, field goal with his face mask. With his face Lo- mask. Lonis Sieber, Central alum. Lonis Sieber blocked it. Was the place wasn't in one of those overtime periods, if I'm remembering correctly, Tennessee had a penalty and backed him way up, and then they scored on that next play. Um, they had they had a touchdown. If I'm not mistaken, maybe it was Hardesty or somebody had a touchdown. It run, was Foster, but and it was called back, and then they had they basically did the same thing. They they scored yeah. a touchdown, then they had a penalty and had scored again. Uh, you had the Arkansas game that was the, the the overtimes in the Arkansas game at home were were incredible. Game should have never been in overtime because Tennessee busted the coverage. It gave up like a ninety yard t- Julian Battle, the ghost of Julian Battle. That wasn't a great game. That was a heck of an overtime deal, but that wasn't a great game per se. 98, I mean, 98 Arkansas was probably as good as one as you say. I mean, we can go on forever, but, I mean, that was that was two really good football teams in 98 going after it. Nobody, nobody remembers Arkansas was undefeated in a top-10 team when they rolled into town on that on that day. I mean, everybody just assumed Tennessee was going to win, and um, that was a heck of a football game. I mean, Arkansas played their rear ends off in that game. 
the question says doesn't even have to be just a UT game, but you got to remember, Brent, how many consecutive UT games have you been to? I've not seen anybody else play um, <laughs> other than the the the, form, the former conference known as the Pac-12 after dark um, that you watch at 1 o'clock in the morning after you get home from, from working. Uh, I've not been in the stadium for a non-Tennessee game other than one Titans game and a bunch of high school games. I've been yeah. at every Tennessee game since – I did not go to art. I did not go to Syracuse '98. Ever since then, I've been at all the rest of them. The West Alcoa game was pretty good last year. It was a good game last year. It was a really good game last year. A big thank you, as always, to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for making all this possible. If you need, uh, you know, home repair, a home upgrade, siding, roofing, windows, uh, literally whatever the case may be, give them a call and give you a free estimate today get, get, by picking up the phone and dialing eight six five five two four fifty eight eighty eight or visiting them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Uh, like this video. Let's get in front of more and more Tennessee fans. Join us on the uh, General's Quarters over at VolQuest.com. Camp rolls on. Game week is just right around the corner. Tons of awesome content coming up for game week throughout this football season, and you can find it all at VolQuest.com. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, Brett Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for joining us here on this edition of the VolQuest Mailback Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.